We're in the middle of this heated discussion, this heated debate. Um, I don't know about you guys. Have you ever discussed something or debated something and it just got way too long? <laughs> you ever been in a discussion or a debate where it's just like, okay, this is not. You ever been so, it's so, so long where you just kind of, you fold already, you just give in to, <laughs> so just go home, like, you win. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Ono's poke is the best. Sure. All right. You win, Kaleo. You know, like, you ever just kind of, it, it's, it gets so exasperating. And, um, you know, and in every family, every, every group of friends, but every, every ohana, I think, has those. Um, and I'm really thankful that in this one, though, because we're going to start off right in our narrative, it's a long debate. You got to just kind of get into the weight already of the moment, the vibe, and what's happening in the atmosphere. But we're so thankful that they didn't just do that. They didn't just be, okay, whatever, you win, we'll get circumcised. Or, oh, you know, okay, you win, then no need circumcision, and poo-hoo. This debate, just like we talked about last week, there are certain fights that you do need to fight for. There are certain things you have to stand your ground. There are certain things that we in our, the life of our church, we might have debates over. We might get in fights over. We might, not ha- we might have intense biz- church family business meetings with our members um, but we got to discern what are the essentials and what are the non-essentials. What are the whole house issues and what are the not-so-whole not house issues. And we got to make sure we learn how to make sure we know that when we're discussing something in the family, we're not going to make the, second, the, the non-essential things as if it's essential. Don't make the not-primary things as if they're primary. This issue, this discussion that we've been looking at, that we're going to see kind of the end of the debate This is a matter of the gospel. And like we talked about last week, if we lose the gospel, we lose everything. This is how one is saved. And so I love hearing your guys' observations and just hearing you guys share. You know, I was really encouraged this week. I love hearing, I love praying with you guys. Like I I hear scripture coming out more when we pray together. And it's just really, um, praise God for his word. Um, But tonight, so we're going to see the end of the debate. And we're going to see amidst all the doctrine and the debate and the discussion, what ends up happening at it all is the church is drawn near to Christ. They're more rooted and established in the gospel. And they have the opportunity to display grace. Display grace. So they're not a church that just knows their doctrine well, but they're they're learning to know it well. And then they're going to also display it. Well, it's very possible, church, listen, it's very possible that as we study through the Bible, we can know our doctrine well and display it terribly. You can preach the gospel to your friends and talk about grace all day long, ins and outs. You could quote every single doctrine of grace and very possible to display it terribly. And so we're going to see with this church, through all, of, through all the grueling discussion, they come through together, they land together and they display it together. Verse 7, so after there's been much debate, I think Brother Gabe brought it up. It's neat that Peter them let the debate go on that long. That's really good leadership. I mean, you're in a room with a bunch of men who are divided, and they're probably strong opinions. You know, part of the process of growing together, and this is just family talk right now, if, we're, if we don't see eye to eye on an issue, it, 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 it'll do us good to take some time to talk it out. Let each other share. It's part of the learning process. I just, I just love that about 
James and Peter who seem to be facilitating this. They let the debate roll on. Good leadership. And then Peter stood up, of course. <laughs> Not surprised if you follow Peter's life. Rada's always the first one to speak. But anyway, he breaks, he, he, he gives the first response. It's Peter, it's Simeon, but it's Peter. And he said to them, brothers. I like that. He doesn't say, okay, pro-snippers and non-snip, you know, like pro-circumcision, non-circumcision. He doesn't say, he says, okay, uh, Gentiles and what does he say? Brothers. That's beautiful. Remind a countryman, reminding them, hey, we're one here. That's a good wisdom and leadership. He says, brothers, you know that in the early days. Now, what early days is he talking about? Acts chapter 10, in the early days, about a decade prior to this, he also wasn't about the circumcision. Remember that? Remember the house he went visit? Who was the guy's name? Starts with a C, ends with Ornelius. Very, what, who? Come on, Cornelius, right? He got the vision, remember that? Back to chapter 10, about a decade ago, maybe in our study too. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like, oh, when was that? But yeah, Cornelius, um, Peter had a vision. He, Cornelius was this god fear. God was doing work. He showed him the, the cosmic picnic, remember the blanket? And then he, what did Peter say in his dream? Again and again, I ain't gonna eat that. I'm not gonna touch nothing unclean. Remember at a point in time, in the early days, Peter wasn't on board with the whole Gentiles coming to faith. He had a hard time with it. But see, now Peter knows better. He's trying to remind them back to those days. Remember, guys, it's not the first rodeo through this. We discussed this matter together before. Now, that's an interesting, interesting, I think, to myself, because 10 years ago, they, they tackled this matter of how they're saved by grace, through faith, not by works. And then 10 years goes by, and here they are struggling with the same thing. And I think that repeats itself very clearly throughout church history. If you're unaware, October, often we celebrate the Reformation. This is a time when Luther argued and debated the Roman church and the Pope how one is saved. Not by indulgences. You don't pay for your sins through, by throwing a coin in there. It's by grace, through faith in Christ, and it's crazy. Guys, this is going to be the normative if the Lord doesn't return. You better be ready for the next generation. These children here, the birthday babies in October, the young ones here, we're preaching this gospel here, but decades from now, don't be shocked if you're going to have to debate it and defend it and keep it again. This is, this is just... It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest idea for the human being to grasp salvation by grace. So anyway, he, Peter's arguing for grace, and he says, we settled the matter already, and he reads on, and he continues on. Notice it says, he says, um, God made a choice. Who made the choice? Did Peter choose? Did the Gentiles choose to be saved? It's God. God is sovereign. Argument number two for grace is God saves. God made the initiative. Peter knows I'm just an instrument. Remember this, guys, as we pray, as you live your life, as you're around people, God is going to choose. All you here and all you online, if you believe in Jesus, 
I never do that. Me believing in Jesus, I never do that. God chose us, Ephesians 1. That's a huge thing. You got to read that and be like struck. God chose. It's all the work of God. Among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. I love by my mouth, I'm just an instrument. By the preaching of the gospel, the Gentiles should hear the word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. They heard the word, they heard the word of the gospel, and they believed. Verse 8. God who knows the heart. Oh, I was so tempted to just do Peter's response. There's so much stuff here. Just look at it. God knows the heart. God's the heart knower. Acts one twenty four. when they prayed, they said, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Hebrews 4, no creature is hidden. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Psalm 139, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Heart. God is the heart knower. He knows every heart in this room. Every heart who truly believes and confesses that he is Lord. And it's legit. Just Paul, Peter's trying to make this point. If these Gentiles aren't legit, God knows. If this ministry to the Gentiles is, is fake, it's not real, God knows. These are big anointed words that Peter is using to to respond to this attack on justification by grace. God knows. And then it says, he bore witness to them and he gave them the Holy Spirit. That's an argument for grace right there. They were gifted the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms that this is, it was a gift. Only God can give the Spirit. You read Romans 8, and only the redeemed get that spirit. Peter is trying to make big arguments in his response for grace. And then he says, just as he did to us, and Christian brought this up, I love it, just as he did to us, and then later he says, there's no distinction between us and them. Peter needs to mention and remind this again and again and again. Quick question, honestly, think, pause and think. When you look at your church family, do we really see a we or do you see an us and them? Is there still distinctions in the room? They're a this Christian or a that Christian or a no, no. The gospel levels everything. We are all on the same playing field. I love Peter's response because it crushes all human, and right now, Jewish pride. He's crushing it so that all the confidence that they have is who? Christ. So he's pleading. He's saying to these brothers, these Gentiles, guys, there's... There's no difference between us and them. They received the same message, the same grace, the same spirit, the same faith. Let me read you a couple verses from Paul's letters. Romans 10, 12, he says, There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Colossians 3.11. There's not a Greek and a Jew here. Circumcised or uncircumcised. You see that? Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. It's all grace. And then it says he cleansed their hearts by faith. By what? By faith. You never scrub your heart by your church attendance. And how much you give in your offering. You don't cleanse your heart by how much you perform for the Lord. Or how much you try to impress each other. That's a real, think about that. Because perhaps there's some people here, you're trying to scrub your heart by these ways. Friend, it's so freeing. When you recognize that Christ's pain and bloodshed on that cross was him cleansing you. That, that's your cleansing. That's why Peter gets this from chapter 10. He's like, God, don't call what's, what I make clean unclean. But like Trevor said, it's tough. It's hard getting through. The culture's too thick. Hearts are cleansed by faith, not works. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. To have a clean heart is to be saved. And only God cleans the heart. It's grace. So Peter concludes. He wraps up his huge response, and he, he kind of summarizes it or hits it in the note. In verse 11, he says, we believe. I like that. You got to love the we. We believe that we will be saved through the what grace of the lord jesus just as they will and you gotta love verse 12 right and all the assembly fell silent it was that drop the mic moment and i love that they fell silent at that first response the gospel Peter's trying to keep it gospel-centered here in his response. His response, in essence, was pretty much, guys, no, this is the gospel. We're saved by grace, not works. That's why you're bringing in all this circumcision stuff and requiring it for them. So now that everyone's quiet in the room, you know, after much debate, you got to hear, imagine the, it comes down and Peter stands up and he, no, we're saved by grace alone. And then, boom. Paul and Barnabas kind of see that as their cue. And it says, they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So this is Paul and Barnabas' response. When I first read this, I was like, for real, Paul, that's it. I would have imagined Paul being like, boom, winded, you know, at this. But I love it. All they decided to share was the signs and wonders. Now, signs and wonders, we've covered this a lot in the book of Acts. But every time signs and wonders is performed, it's a way of validating or confirming the messenger, right? These are the apostles. They're bringing the message, and God needed to stamp his approval and say, what they're saying is legit. It's true. It's from me. 2 Corinthians 12, 12, the signs of true apostles were performed among you with signs and wonders. Hebrews 2, if we neglect such a great salvation, it was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 12, they went out and preached. The Lord worked with them, confirming the message by accompanying it with signs. All through this, every time you see signs and wonders, 
Paul and Barnabas are not getting up and they're doing like a little seminar on how like to make a blind man see and sharing all these epic, crazy healing stories in order to get a lot of attention for themselves. No, all they're saying is God's doing it. So in their response, their response is this. This is all God empowered. It's not us. Peter's response, this is the gospel. Paul and Barnabas' response, it's supernatural. This ain't done by human effort. This is all the work of God. Notice it says the signs and wonders, it says God had done. Verse 13. Now we get to James's response. After Paul and Barnabas finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Now let's, I don't know how much you know about James. Let me just give you a little bit of background. This is not the James that got his head cut off, obviously. <laughs> that James is gone with the Lord, all right? This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's the author of the book of James. According to Galatians 2, Paul says he's, he seemed to be a pillar in the church. Back in the day, they gave nicknames too. Tradition says they called him James the Just. He was such a righteous, pious, disciplined man. They called him Camel Knees. They weren't making fun of James, like, hey, Camel Knees. No, they called him Camel Knees because he was so devout to prayer, praying his knees off. He wouldn't he would prefer to pray on his knees. So much so that his knees were bruised and scarred and marred to the point where it looked like camel knees. He was a champion. He was a hero among the Jews, he, the Jewish church. He was, if I think there was a response that they were expecting someone to be pro-SNP or pro-circumcision, they would have thought, come on, James, tell him. Tell him, James. Okay, we heard from Peter, we heard from Paul them. James, tell him, get in there. You got the final word, buddy. But this is this James. And look at what he says. Brothers, listen to me. Simeon, or Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles. He's affirming his story. Remember? Yeah, Acts 10. God first visited the Gentiles to take from them. And he uses this kind of language. And this is, this is interesting language to a Jew. A people for his name. That is normatively used in the Old Testament to reference to Israel. So by, by James talking like this, he's already giving the brothers a hint in what, what, which way he's leaning. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. Big word, just as it is written. That's huge. After this, I'll return, I'll rebuild the tent. David has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, and the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. All the Gentiles who call by my name, says the Lord, who make these things known from of old. He quotes Amos 9, 11 through 12, a passage speaking of the millennial, when the, the tent will be rebuilt, the tent of David, and all the nations, all the Gentiles will seek and will be drawn and be saved John Stott says, if you have Christian eyes, you read Amos 9, and it's speaking of the resurrection and the exaltation of Christ and the Gentiles being saved by grace. What James is doing in his response is saying, this is in line with Scripture. This is in accordance with God's word. Peter's saying this is the gospel. Barnabas and Paul are saying this is supernatural. James is saying this is biblical. Boom, hits it in the nail. I don't know if everyone expected that one. 
But guys, you know why this should hit a, a note for us? It's because unless you're Jewish descent, this is us. We're the Gentiles. Thank the Lord that this, our justification is by grace through faith. And praise God that from the prophets of old, he, he foretold that we would be, you would be chosen and saved. And it's beginning to be accomplished through the apostles. And now it continues to happen through the local church by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. You and I here sitting here, if your hearts burn for Christ this evening, if you've truly trusted in him, you're part of this. This is epic stuff. It's, it's in line with God's word. It's wild. I like Lauren. It's insane. Just, wah. No way, way. This is the gospel. This is supernatural. And this is scriptural. James is kind of saying, you know, if you're not convinced with the testimonies, guys, I just got to let you know it's in the book. I love that. We're going to close. We're going to see the ending where now they've wrestled over the doctrine of grace, but now they're going to have an opportunity to apply it. But before we go there, just this is really helpful for us. If, you know, as we go through these times, I mean, you know, we live in a culture that's super divided out there. And so when we get saved and we become part of a church, I mean, it's easy to bring those divisions in here. And there is a place, there should be a place, a good space in the local church to have debates and discussions and to be not on the same page. But when we do go through those debates and discussions, we need to really, this is helpful for us, we need to think, is what we're debating over compromise the gospel? Is what we're debating over, is it, is it a whole house issue? Is this, is this, gonna make, is this a make or breaker? Because too many times in the church we fight over things that we, we shouldn't be debating over this for that long. It's not a make or breaker. Why do you make this an issue so big? Satan's like, yeah, keep going, church, debate over that. Debate over it so much that you just break, you divide, you, your church split. So we got to ask yourself, is this, is this compromise the gospel? The second thing we ask, is this, is this of God or is this of man? You know, Barna, Paul and Barnabas, this is all the work of God. It's all supernatural. And then the last thing we should ask when we're in good discussion, even if it's heated, okay, well, where does, what, does the, what does the word of God say? We could, we, could tell, we could barf all our opinions at each other all day and just get nuts over it. But you know what? When it comes down to it, what does the word of God say? Is this biblical? Is it in line with scripture? This is very helpful. God, let this text really work its way into the life of our church. I would love the church culture here. I do want to be a place where we teach and admonish one another as the word of God dwells in us richly. That's bomb. In close, we won't stay here too long. Verse 19, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble these Gentiles who turn to God. Don't make trouble, says James, Uncle James. But you should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, sexual morality, and what has been strangled and from blood and from ancient generations. Moses had been taught in every city, those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so James now presents an opportunity to display grace right let's not make trouble to the gentiles and making it 
making it mandatory for them to get circumcision to be saved because that's not the truth. And then he gives some suggestions to the Gentiles concerning primarily ceremonial stuff, ceremonial matters. Like, you know, and let's not trouble the believing Jews who their consciences, their convictions are, are, are like, this is their history and heritage. So let's just be, let's, let's, can we give charity on these second, thirdary things and, and, and learn how to love one another and, and be patient with each other? Because a lot of those things, when you look through it, and we won't do it tonight, but if, you, if, they, if the Jews, were, the Gentiles were all like tantaran about this grace stuff and be like, oh, oh right on, we'll just pound bloody meat. We're going to have steak for fellowship tonight. You know how awkward that would be for their, their church potluck? James is foreseeing like, okay, guys, Let's practice charity and, and unity and love. Like, let's not break the harmony we can have in our fellowship. On the very fundamental foundational things, we got to land together. Or else this isn't Christianity. But on other things, let's be patient. Let's exer- exercise charity and love. And he's referring to Leviticus 17 and 18 and the, the customs and the traditions. You know, like, let's respect the Jewish heritage that our brothers have in this church. But guys, the more we pray and think, the, 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 the real crux of the heart of the thrust of what James is getting at is let's just not know the doctrines of grace. Let's live it. Let's apply it in everyday life scenarios within the church. Guys, like I said, we live in times that people want to scrap over every little thing, every little opinion. We, we must, we, oh, imagine what a crazy witness it would be if Nuwanu Baptist, if every local church they had members, and I love, our church is super diverse. Culturally, we're like mixed plate here. That's bomb. I love it. I love that we're not all like similar. But we're going to bring those cultural experiences, we're going to bring those differences into the house. And the beauty, one of the mysteries of the gospel is every wall that would have been a hostile wall, like, local and non-local or or public school private school or whatever whatever you know like this and that every wall that we would have came into this family with what the gospel did what paul says in Ephesians, crushed all that broke all those walls down that's what's happening in the life of the jerusalem church right now so as we pray for our church next week we're going to do a lot of praying and singing but we need to pray for some true real christian unity in this place that the more grounded, the more, more edified and, and, and rooted we get in knowing, knowing that we are all sinners saved by the same grace, we have the same faith, same baptism, one Lord, and we land there and that's what brings us together and we, we really see how huge that is to be a citizen of the kingdom. When, when visitors come, you know what a marvelous witness that is to the world? They're going to look at our church. They're going to look at our church pictures. They're going to look at our recap videos if we ever have them. And they're going to just be like, eh? Brother, how come you, how you hang with, how you know, wow, look at how they love each other. That's the beauty of the gospel. Let's not be a church that just knows its doctrine. Oh, Lord, help us display it well. Amen. So this council comes to a close, and next week we'll pick it up as they continue. This is so big, because if they didn't settle that matter, oh, they couldn't do more missionary journeys. All confused. I praise God for churches, for families that are willing to duke it out, 
in love, and when the Holy Spirit and the Word of God shows up, boom, sees them through. Let's pray together, and we'll enjoy the rest of the evening. Father, we confess that we are a people who by nature, we like to fight. Paul says we're children of wrath. And if we have differences of opinions or if we see something different, we're going to fight over it. Lord, we pray that in the church, the gospel of Jesus Christ would be so clearly proclaimed and so clearly heard and so truly believed and so deeply manifested that all these dividing walls, here there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no Greek, there's no barbarian, there's no Scythian, slave or free. Christ is all. Oh, let this, let the church be a place where Christ is all. Help us to embody this. We confess Sorry, Lord, that we, we can preach that, we can explain that, and often if we really let you, Holy Spirit, analyze us, maybe we have not displayed that. Maybe we displayed it poorly this week. Maybe in our attitudes we still have a works-based salvation. And Lord, Holy Spirit, the knower of hearts. Could you search us this evening right now? Search us, oh God. Is there anything in our hearts right now that's amiss, that's not really believing and landing on this grace? And show us, convict us, forgive us. We want to repent of that. We ask that you would continue this uh, awesome work uh, here in Hawaii, in our community, in our state, nation, throughout the world. Use us, we pray. Let us be a church that knows its doctrine and displays it well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.